Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Dominic Booth. Uh, delighted to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. How are you, Samuel? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Surviving the uh, the work from home times and the the extended lockdown, I suppose, tier three or whatever we're supposed to call it. Um, a good week for Manchester United, though. It has been fantastic win over RB Leipzig on Wednesday night, Old Trafford, five nil in the Champions League. Marcus Rashford hat trick. Uh, what a week it's been for him. Um, Anthony Martial, Mason Greenwood also got on the on the score sheet, and I guess it was a new formation that Solskjaer used. Samuel, it was. Uh, a few changes from the the Chelsea game and pretty much all of it worked in a positive way. It did. I was thinking even during the first half, at half-time, how how well they were playing individually and collectively. Uh, it was more tactical acumen from Solskjaer. It's it's another scalp that he's bagged in, in Leipzig, in Julian Nagelsmann, who is a very esteemed coach, even though he's only 33 years of age, but to to uh, to beat him and then after a week after beating Thomas Tuchel again, it reflects very well on him just just from a selfish perspective. But in terms of the use of the diamond, I think they had some joy with it at Everton in March, where Matic and Fernandes played particularly well. I think Fred and McTominay that day didn't quite uh, supplement it as well as Pogba and Fred did the other night. I thought Fred was was phenomenal. Uh, the first half, just just exceptional. His the thing about Fred is that obviously he was bought as a deep line midfielder and I think he'll probably still be used there more often but his his pressing is so underestimated that it was it was forcing errors on Leipzig I think a couple of goals came from Fred winning the ball I think the the chance that they had at nil nil when Marshall didn't get the cross right for for Mason Greenwood that came from Fred springing the ball down the right so he at the moment is undroppable. It'll be fascinating to see what happens with the midfield selection against Arsenal on Sunday, purely because United have got six midfielders and pretty much all of them are in pretty good form at the moment. And the chances are they're going to have to leave out half of those midfielders in this weekend's game. And it was, it was strange because obviously Rashford rightly got the acclaim with that, that clinical hat-trick he scored. It, I'm pretty sure it is the first hat-trick to be scored by United Substitute since his manager at, at Forest in, in 1999. And all the work he's doing uh, for, for school children and, and that campaign as well, he, he can do no wrong at the moment. But in terms of the actual tone of my match piece, it, it still had to be fixed on, one, the tactical acumen that Solskjaer displayed and just the sheer brilliance of the performance, I think, for United to perform form like that two weeks running against Champions League finalists against Champions League semi-finalists forget the mitigation of no crowds or, or anything like that or no pre-season they were just outright brilliant wins the, the pair of them yeah yeah absolutely you have to give Solskjaer a lot of credit for for that and, and I guess the the resurgence of Fred it cuts music to my ears Samuel is a long time uh, admirer and someone who talks up Fred but I guess the diamond, as much as you know, we should give Solskjaer the, the tactical credit for it, is it just a, a method, really, of getting four of those six midfielders that you mentioned in the side at one at one time? You, you almost have to get four of them in the way they're all playing. 
I think there's definitely an element of that. I, I thought Matic was was very good the other night to the point that when he came off, that that to me was a jolt. I don't know if other supporters or how many other supporters felt that way, but he didn't seem like the obvious player to take off at that time. Of course, you know the fact that I, I'm only just speaking about it now and I'm not going to speak about it very long at all because of how well the substitutions uh, came off is a reflection of, again, Solskjaer's in-game management and, and the players that, that he brought on in that situation. With Matic, you have to manage him quite carefully because of his age, because uh, he's, he's he's never been the most mobile of players. I think he's he's probably a more fleet-footed player than people give him credit for. I certainly thought after his league debut for United against West Ham, I was, I was quite taken aback by how quickly he moved the ball and his his ability to cover ground. So include, I include myself, people can be in danger of underestimating him on that front. McTominay has played very well recently. He's made a very good return. And the other players, you know, they're, they're all starry to, to varying degrees. A lot of money has been spent on them individually van der beek i thought was quite polished again the other night without being uh like head, headline worthy uh i suppose is, is probably one of the best ways to describe it so it's it's just good that they have that tactical flexibility and, and Solskjaer touched upon it in his zoom call afterwards with us about the the various formations they've got i think it's fair to say they've got four formations now which is obviously the back three the diamond four two three one and, and four three three which is what really underpinned uh his his, his brilliant spell as, as caretaker manager but then rather curiously at the start of last season he went to with two holding midfielders and of course that raises the Paul Pogba question again as to where does he best fit in because he can play brilliantly in a two but again the other night it seems like his his domain the best use of him is is in a more advanced forward role but it did help that he had Fred there to to supplement him for Fred to do the legwork if you like you know really really going at Leipzig with the press and Leipzig were extremely intense as well and I think up until the second goal they were the opponents but after that second goal went in they just absolutely crumbled. Yeah that three like you say seems to complement each other very nicely because I think Fred plays a little bit better when you have the solidity of Matic behind him with his positional sense and like you say Fred can go and press people and and Pogba we know likes to play on the on the left of that uh, of that trio but I guess the Van der Beek question, this has been one that's been sort of rumbling around for a week or two now. I'm getting a little bit bored of it, to be honest with you, because yeah, I think he came one. in <laughs> he came into the side, didn't he? And he did he did fine. He did he did absolutely okay. He can play here or there. He doesn't have to start every single game at the moment, does he? There's no there's no pressure for that to happen. No, not now, especially with the way the others are performing. I think it was a valid question to ask at at Newcastle as to why he wasn't starting because there were five changes. They'd lost the previous game 6-1. His omission was a surprise to a lot of people given how well he'd done in his cameos. He'd scored for the Netherlands in, in, in midweek against Italy. And then, of course, he wasn't used at all against Chelsea last week. But after those two substitutions were made, I think it would have been a surprise if, if Van der Beek had come on because the obvious guy to throw on after Cavani and Pogba came on was, was Greenwood. That's what Solskjaer did. But when you sign a midfielder in the summer and then you don't play him whatsoever in a game against Chelsea, it's and it, and it was also a dreadful game against Chelsea. It's the logical talking point and the piece that people who were fortunate to be at the game are, are going to write about. And each person has their different take on it. And I think that's been reflected in the piece that were written. It, it was a little bit frustrating on 
Tuesday, the pre-match press conference, that it was touched upon again because at that point it was overkill. I think it had been rinsed to high heaven at that point. It was time to move on. He did all right the other night. I thought he was, as I said, I thought he was very polished. He's he's clearly a very unflustered player on the ball. You you could you can tell that he was schooled at Ajax uh, without even knowing that he was at Ajax. He's he's that good on the ball. He's that technically proficient. But of course, the competition is extremely intense there, and I suppose. When he signed, a lot of people, myself included, probably thought, okay, he's he's a player to to strengthen the first team. But I think Rich Rich touched upon it in the week. One of the notable things about United signings in the summer is that almost all of them have been strength have been bought to strengthen the squad rather than the first team, which is a departure from the way they were previewing the 2019 transfer window, which was that they wanted game changers, they wanted first team ready players. Uh, to come in, which is why they got Maguire and Wambisaka. Daniel James was a very different kind of signing, but in the end turned out to be a, a regular quite quickly. So it's been a bit different this summer, uh, or the summer just gone in the way they went about their business. But that depth is extremely impressive, especially when you've got five substitutions to make. Yeah, well, at the risk of, of, of further van der Beek overkill, I might uh, skip on and, and maybe, I guess, assess the, the United Champions League Group stage run so far. They've got two games against Istanbul, uh, Bazak Sahir, back to back coming up. But I guess you couldn't have dreamt of a better start than United have had. But there's been a bit of discussion about Rio Ferdinand. We refused to sort of change his prediction about where United might end up in the in this year's Champions League. Paul Scholes said, "Why not United can can maybe go all the way?" But I guess the the way they're playing in big games, that they, they could go quite deep into the, the competition. The way they started. Yeah, I was having this conversation with uh, Liam the other night, our colleague, and I suppose the danger with these brilliant group wins is that they've they've peaked far too early in a tournament because even though it's not like a major tournament, but essentially the setup is the same. You have a group, you get through it, it's the knockout stages, you go on from there. Um, it's, it's a bit of a much of a muchness in terms of whether they finish second or first. As long as they get through, that's the most important thing. I think everybody or most people expected that last game at Leipzig to be a, a do or die match. Is, is this going to be United in the Champions League in 2021 or is it is it going to be them back in the Europa League and inflicting Thursday night football on us? I, I think it's safe to say now at the risk of getting complacent on United's behalf that they should qualify before before they even play PSG again, the way it's um, weighted in their favour. And they've they've got themselves into that position by having these two brilliant wins. To come up against Basak here back-to-back really does suit them perfectly in that you, they know Leipzig and PSG are going to take points off each other. So, I, I mean, I can't, I can't recall a, a, an occasion where a team have got 12 points in the Champions League group stage and not gone through. I suspect it's maybe happened once maybe there's been some anomalous finish to a group and especially where the, the groups are a lot more competitive these days with the way the pots are done but it's it's shaping up to look like that united will will have qualified uh with with two games to spare and if they do that then that's that's phenomenal because as, as Solskjaer repeatedly says it is an intense season it is two games a week without fail pretty much um into january because they'll have the the carabao cup quarter final two or three days before christmas so if he can rest players for those last two games against PSG and against Leipzig, that's that's just exactly what he wants because it gives them a chance to uh, rest the big guns for the league, preserve the conditioning of the players 
And I don't think it's a coincidence also that United do look a lot fitter since uh, the, the October internationals and players have had a lot more time to work on their fix, on, on their fitness and they, they look raring to go now. Absolutely. I think Solskjaer's even talked about 10 points to get through the, the Champions League group. I think Ferguson used to always talk about 10 points. Yeah, he always yeah. used to say 10 points, which I think peeved quite a lot of United fans because it almost as if it sets it up for these 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 drudgery games, if you like, which they, they, they were prone to. I mean, I think the year they got to the final in 2008-9, I think they must they might have taken 10 points. I think they did take 10 points from that one. They uh, I think weirdly, they might have only won two games in their group. I think they beat Celtic at home and was it Aldborg? Alborg away because they had those two games with Villarreal that they drew and they did draw against Celtic and Alborg. So even in a year where they had a, a run to the final, they only took 10 points from a very, very easy group. So that just shows you the um, the perils of possibly peaking too early. Yeah, you get those horrible games, the fifth or sixth games in groups. I remember the Michael Owen Wolfsburg hat trick game for some reason that that sticks out in my memory. That was a memorable one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess back to league matters this weekend for United. Arsenal uh, at Old Trafford again. It's I guess it's this is arguably the most important game of United season so far. I know you can keep saying that uh, endlessly, but these two games, Arsenal and Everton, Samuel. It's going to be big. I think this is going to dictate what kind of season United are going to have, really. Well, I think we've looked at this period and thought that if it really goes all right, then November International Week is always a fashionable time to sack a manager. And I think it's fair to say that that is absolutely not going to happen now after the, the two victories they've had in the Champions League. Uh, the, the win up at Newcastle was, was a good win. United played well. They absolutely needed that, especially after the start they had to that game. But Everton away, even Everton away now, it doesn't look as formidable a test as it did two or three weeks ago because Everton have gone a bit off the boil, not winning any of their last two league games, uh, you know, a couple of suspensions along the way as well. And that, that flakiness that I think everybody noticed and accepted was there in Everton's, uh, these chinks of armour in their defence, have been exposed by Southampton and Liverpool. So Everton away, it's also not as intimidating as it would be when Goodison is packed. Goodison is one of the purest football grounds in the country. Uh, I think a lot of people, myself included, just pretty much dreading the day that they make their last visit there. So it doesn't really, it doesn't have that fear factor at the moment. Arsenal are a very different commodity to previous seasons. I think you've got to take them a little bit more seriously even though there are still issues there that are quite apparent in terms of uh, you know, the, the structure that Arteta's gone with. I, I don't think it's necessarily the right way to go about it. Aubameyang, since he signed his contract, hasn't been quite as spectacular. But it's it's a bit of a quirk that in the post-Benger era, I don't think United have, have beaten Arsenal yet in the Premier League. I think Arsenal, and, Arsenal are unbeaten in their last four league games against United and the New Year's Day performance was an unmemorable one for an awful lot of reasons from United's perspective. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what their points return is from these two games. But as I said, because of the way they've performed, certainly in the Champions League, uh, Solskjaer is, is out of the woods for the time being. Yeah, uh, and it's it's strange the, the Solskjaer and Arteta narratives, though, I, I feel. I think um, Arteta's lost three games this season already in the league. I think Arsenal are a point or two ahead of United having played a game more. I mean, but then you get Solskjaer receiving so much criticism even after the Chelsea draw, which was fairly creditable. Does that surprise you or is that just the nature of, of United? I think that's the nature of United, so it doesn't surprise me. 
but there was a quote that Arteta came out with last week that only I saw quite late, but it was one of those quotes that you would have thought if United manager said that, it, it would go viral. Uh, and it was the way he talked about how Leicester had set up to play against them. I, I can't remember, I can't recall what the quote was verbatim, but it was like that Solskjaer quote in February, was it, when he said, you know, you're doing the right thing when Wolves are coming here to set up the way they are um you know it, it was this you know he, he, he almost could have lived or died by that quote it went down that badly at the time but the expectations at Arsenal compared to United even though Arsenal have actually you know they won something last season and they are so significantly lower and the attention on Arsenal is so it's just not it's just incomparable the way I look at it with United is that when they talk about themselves being the biggest club in the world i I half disagree with that. I'd always say Real Madrid are a bigger football club than United because of the European Cups, because every elite player wants to play for Real Madrid. United have seen it with Ronaldo. Um, they're seeing it with Pogba at the moment. It's perfectly understandable. There is an aura about Real Madrid that I think is unmatched. But having covered United in three or four different continents now and seen the following that they generate and the attention on those pre-season tours and the media attention on Champions League match days, particularly away from home in Europe. Real Madrid do not hold a candle to that. United knock them out of the park in, in terms of that exposure that they get. We've we've been to games where United have played Real Madrid or Barcelona in the United States, and it is very United heavy, and it's incomparable in, in that sense. So the fact that Arteta isn't going to get as much flack or get as much grief as, as Solskjaer is, I think is understandable because Arsenal are just nowhere near as big a club as United. And Arsenal are a huge club in their own right. They're one of the great English clubs. But it is so much different with Man United. And if, if United appointed a, a manager who is a mute, he would still, you know, there'd still be a demand for copy from, from him because that's that's the status of, of being Manchester United manager. But I also think it comes down to... Um, the scrutiny on certain patches. I mean, I was, I was told in the week about some of the questions that were asked of Kurt Zuma at the Chelsea press conference, which were, uh, have you played on your birthday before? Have you handed a transfer request because they've not done something on your birthday? This very chummy environment that is quite cringe-inducing and you know, gives me memories of the time Harry Redknapp had Happy Birthday sung to him by a bunch of journalists about eight years ago, whenever it was. On the Manchester patch, it is a lot more... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's it's judgmental is probably too harsh, but I think it's more, I, I think it is just tougher. It's tougher. And yeah, professional is right, but it is tougher as well. It's tougher in terms of, I said, I speak from experience of, of integrating into it initially and also operating on it because there is a demand for stories where Man United are concerned, not necessarily where Man City are concerned because City, again, they're a club a fraction of the size of United and United copy, you know, United and the cracked badge. You see that on the back page. That's and, and there's a big piece on it in, in the inside. That's going to be something that a lot of people, including non-United fans, want to read about. So uh, I, I just think that, you know, the, the Liverpool pack is, is infamous for how cushy it is. Uh, I, I was told that after the Champions League final last year, there was a journalist who just who was in the mix zone and literally was there just to stop the players and hug them and admire their medals. He wasn't asking them questions. So why he was given a mix zone pass, I have no idea. But it's nothing like that on Manchester. There are United fans in the United pack, um, as, as there are quite a lot of the majority of Liverpool fans on the Liverpool pack but it's not fan with a keyboard mentality 
uh, in Manchester, it's, as you say, it's, it's professional. And that, I think, um, contributes to the way United are perceived and how the coverage of United uh, is handled. Yeah, I think probably contributed towards the uh, the transfer window that United had as well with the absolute frenzy that, that is a Manchester United transfer story and a saga that we saw around Jadon Sancho and everything. But I guess that moving back to, to more on-field matters, it's Solskjaer's 100th game in charge of United uh, against Arsenal. I know I sometimes don't like these milestones and think they're, they're a little bit sort of flimsy and they don't particularly mean much, but just as a general question, how far do you think he's taken United in 100 games? Do you think there's been, did you expect him to get here and has there been sufficient progress? There's, there's definitely been progress. They've, they've obviously got back into the Champions League. I think given the perception of him at the time that he came in, which was, you know, he's, he's a, he was the little boy lost at Cardiff and you didn't find many people in Cardiff with kind things to say about his management and his, his, his transfer dealings there with Jim Solback and you didn't see him as a long-term United manager at his first press conference he was asked do you want the job and of course he was he wasn't going to say no he was his manager of Mulder uh it was he probably couldn't believe his luck that he was seen as you know worthy of the caretaker role but the reason why they chose a manager of Solskjaer's profile was because they thought that's that's caretaker material but then he proved himself to be permanent manager material and look I think a lot of people said in terms of the decision, the timing that it was made, yes, it was surprising. And I disagreed with that at the time that they gave him the job full time in, in late March. They should have waited until the end of the season. But I think he had made sufficient progress that there was no way they were going to just drop him at that point. It, it would have almost been like shooting Bambi's mum uh, because those those last 12 games that they had, I just think by the laws of probability, had they not, or I think it was the last 10 games, in fact, last 10 games of that season when he was permanent manager, and they only won two of them. By the laws of probability, if they had not appointed him in late March, they they would have won more than those final 10, even taking into account the issue of the fitness and, and injuries and, and things like that. So I think he was always just destined to get that job, um, even though it went south and they it didn't end up qualifying for the Champions League, whereas I think when he was made permanent manager, they were fifth or they, they moved fourth with, with the win over Watford, which was his, his first game as, as full-time full time manager. And look, you look at Mourinho's last year at United and some of the big wins they had against Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, City, Liverpool, Juventus. Solskjaer has, has matched that. I know he's not overseen a win over Liverpool yet, or Arsenal for that matter, yeah. but he's done the double over City, uh, he's bested Mourinho, he's bested Tuchel, uh, Julian Nagelsmann, as, you know, and got them to semi-finals. There has been a measure of, pro- there's definitely been a measure of progress and his hit rate in the transfer market has, has been good. I, I, I'd have said three or four months ago, it's been excellent, but caveats have emerged with some of his signings uh, and there was an element of, of regression with some of them, but in the last couple of weeks, those players like Maguire and Wan-Bissaka have improved, have been getting back to their optimum. So that reflects well on Solskjaer. And I, I probably said last year, actually, that the cut halfway through this season would be the, the point to fairly judge him. And I guess we're nearing that point now. It feels like we are anyway. I mean, it's, it's November in a couple of days. So look, I, I don't really envisage a scenario where his job is going to be under threat anytime soon. Uh, obviously, they had an abysmal start to this season. He's not responsible for the desperation and the amateurishness of the summer where, again, if when you're making full signings on deadline day, it's not a good look. However, 
well those players may play for you in the future. He's not responsible for that. He's he can be a problem at some times, but he's he's not the problem. Everyone knows what the problem or the problems are at United, and they are way above him. So, for what he's done, he's done very he's done very well. I think he's had a respectable. Um, it's nearly two years now as as United's manager. But if we're to judge him at the end of the season, he is going to need a coveted trophy, shall we say? The League Cup would. Of course, United want to win the League Cup because they want to win something as soon as possible. It's been too long since they last won something. But whether a League Cup would get him by going into next season, I have my doubts. We've seen before with Louis van Gaal that winning the FA Cup doesn't necessarily mean you're guaranteed to to stay on as United manager. But there has to be some realism at the club. It's a very different situation to van Gaal. I think van Gaal made enough changes to that squad for it to be on him pretty quickly whereas Solskjaer it's it's a different set of circumstances but yeah he's he's pretty much he seems to be nearing the end of the squad rebuild even though there are still gaps that that need to be occupied yeah and as you say is the is the consistency and it's the the progress that United fans want to want to see but now that they haven't really had that consistency under any manager since since Ferguson have they and you know they need to like you say I don't think the league cup and fifth will Secure Solskjaer's position, no. but I think the League Cup and fourth would be deemed a successful season. That's yeah, some, yeah. If I mean, they have they have set a dangerous precedent by sacking managers for not for not getting into the Champions League, which you agree with, uh, or certainly I agreed with. I think Moyes should have gone yeah. earlier. I think Van Gaal should have gone earlier. Uh, they kind of learned from that mistake and decided to you know, go early with sacking Mourinho, much to everyone's surprise, but it didn't come off because they finished sixth that season. So obviously Champions League is heavily factored into it and the the importance of Champions League is even greater during the time of a pandemic. To, to have that revenue will be valuable um, because their, their accounts for the next couple of quarters or three quarters, I, I probably expect, are going to look pretty chastening. Um, but that's across the board for every club. So uh, the 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 importance of Champions League football has has grown for United, but they don't want to become one of those clubs that are just doing it for balance sheets. Uh, Arsenal went down that path, and slowly but surely, Arteta is changing the mentality there um, and and trying to get them back in the right direction again. But certainly for a long period, it was about finishing fourth and that being that that sufficing, and that was anathema to those Arsenal fans who had seen. You know, these two brilliant teams spring up under Wenger in the late 90s and, and early 2000s and remember the glory days of 89 and it, it, the double of 1971. So, you know, you, you can't scroll a balance sheet on onto an honours honors board or, you know, scroll we finished fourth onto an honours board. Trophies, you know, it's, it's about the glory and, and Solskjaer, the amount of money United have invested on his watch, they are entitled to expect a trophy this season. Yeah, I suppose United fans might actually take a, a fourth finish this season and a trophy. But in terms of the Arsenal game, it's one I can't quite work out how it's going to pan out. I can't work out Arsenal as a team this season. And United, as we've seen, especially at home this season, they've been so unreliable with their performances, lurching from, from a 6-1 defeat to a completely dour 0-0. Do you, do you see this one following more the the trend that we saw against Leipzig? United tending to to open up a bit more than they did against Chelsea? Surely they have to. I would think so. Arsenal have obviously used a back three a, a fair few times under Arteta, and, but I don't think they'll be as cautious as Chelsea. Again, in terms of perceptions of managers, I mean, Frank Lampard gets, he doesn't get 
cut a fixed slice of slack. He's given slack on a platter, really. He, he, he just seems to be immune to any criticism. And although United contributed to the drudgery of last week, Lampard was ultra cautious with his selections. The changes he made during the game were uh, like for like or downgrades. And the, the attention seemed to be on Solskjaer afterwards in a lot of in a lot of sections for the way that game materialised. And again, Chelsea are the away team. I, I'm actually not knocking Lampard's tactics in the game when you've conceded three three goals in in a third game out of five in in the league. Uh, I guess there's going to have to be a t- time where you shut up shop, and so I'm not blaming Lampard for that. It's just it's just more the lack of criticism he generated after that result. If Conte or Mourinho had done that with Chelsea at Old Trafford, they'd have got pelters. I think it's fair to say. Uh, I, I don't think Arsenal will be as reticent as Chelsea. I think they've they've got certainly just from from the coach, he's not going to want to play that way, and they have got. You know they've got some immense threats. Uh, Bamiyang is a player who certainly, I mean, I think head of the, he was head of the 2019 Europa League final. Someone said he's world class, which I scoffed at, and then Arsenal got beaten. And certainly, someone who spent what four and a half years at Borussia Dortmund and then ends up joining Arsenal at the time he did cannot be considered world class. But over the last year, I'd say he has reached that level. Uh, Arsenal just absolutely could not lose him. I know it was a little bit the slightly similar to the Ertzel situation that you've got a starry player loved by the fans you don't want to lose him so you're going to throw money at him but Aubameyang actually the difference was Aubameyang deserved it Ertzel didn't deserve that contract and Arsenal were railroaded into giving it to him because they um they had to swap Sanchez for for Mkhitaryan but Aubameyang has been has been brilliant over the last year I thought in the FA Cup semi-final final he was tremendous and Arteta's tactics in those two games uh, were fascinating because it was almost as if Jose Mourinho had taken over Arsenal, like that pragmatic back three use, bringing uh, the quick forward on the break. So th- they are capable of doing that. It'd be interesting to see whether they opt for that kind of approach against United and let United keep the ball and you know, kind of dare United to break them down then try and hit them on the break because they have got the skill set to do that with, with the wing backs and, and the forwards. Uh, so you know, I've, I've just said that I don't think Arteta would play that way, but then I remember what he did in the cup final and cup semi-finals. And there's every chance he will play that that way. But I suspect part of him will feel the way he bested Solskjaer on New Year's Day. He's got it in him to go toe to toe rather than pay him pay him uh, you know due respect. When you play like that against Manchester City, as United discovered in in March, was it? Uh, you can get away with it and, and you're entitled to it because they, they demand that respect. I don't think United necessarily demand that level of respect. No, no, I don't think either side does. It's Manchester United versus Arsenal, traditionally probably my favourite Premier League fixture and has offered so much uh, going down the years. I don't think that this one is going to be like those uh, Keane versus Vieira, Ferguson, Wenger contests. It is the two teams are far more wildly inconsistent and unreliable than they than they ever were, aren't they? It's gonna it's going to, I think it's gonna be quite open. Yeah, I do miss those days. Uh yeah, those, they were great, that, weren't that, they? That, that period between ninety six to pretty much the the tunnel uh, row in, in, in February two thousand five, it, it was it was one of the great football rivalries in, in Britain. Uh you know we've the great beauty, I suppose, of social media, or one of the best things about social media, is that it allows you to dig out these old clips. And obviously what Ferguson said about Wenger coming from Japan and the way he stressed Japan as well, that, that just lit the 
blue touch paper for that rivalry and it was it was covered brilliantly in a documentary i think a couple of two and a half years ago by channel five uh, of, of all of all uh, broad, broadcasters um they were the ones who, who did this great documentary on the rivalry and there were brilliant contributions to it and if you live through it a lot of it was familiar but for those who didn't live through it, it it must have been a particularly fascinating watch and as i said i think it's not a coincidence that in 2005 Vieira left Arsenal for Juventus, Keane was sacked by United and it really has not been the same since then. Uh, those those two players who, I mean, kind of ironically, they, they came together for that that TV documentary uh, seven years ago and they've, they've sat in the same studio as each other and there's like a mischievous glint in Keane's eye whenever he's in Vieira's company. But uh, so, so that shows you how things change in, in retirement. But the, the, those those fixtures were febrile at the time, and Solskjaer was was involved in a major flashpoint in 2003 when he got elbowed by Campbell, and Campbell got sent off, missed the cup final. United and Arsenal going for the title with about five or six games left, and the way Arsenal reacted to Campbell's sending off was was risible. Really, they were accusing Solskjaer of faking injury, and you you can watch it on YouTube. It's clear as day that Campbell elbows him, and Campbell moaned about it, and Vieira moaned about it. And I think in the chat, the Community Shield a few months later, Solskjaer got this you know real kicking from Ashley Cole, who somehow didn't get sent off for it because there was still a lot of bad blood from that. I suppose the only way in recent years where it's remotely simmered was with Evra's comment after the 2009 Champions League semi-final when in the mix zone you know someone said oh it was like men against boys out there and he said no 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 it was men against babies because United just wiped Arsenal 3-1 and and Evra got a few kicks in the next game because I think they were playing each other and later on that weekend or a couple of weekends later when when United won the title so that's that's as close as got really I can't it's it's difficult to think of other flashpoints where it, it remotely resembled that period between '96 and '05. Yeah, it was it was interesting when Van Persie walked out was given a guard of honour as a United player after after leaving Arsenal the season before. But yeah. I guess that was uh, that was when the two teams were quite far apart in the table. Now they seem to have gone back to to both being on the on the fringes of the of the challenges. But for a, for a prediction, Samuel, you, I don't think you dare say another nil nil at Old Trafford. I think everyone will. Get bored to tears if we see that. What, what are you saying for this one? Uh, well, whenever I'm asked about predictions now, I just think of the the infamous Chelsea semi-final prediction in when was it July or August when I think we all confidently predicted United would win. And then when I received the the team sheet of the lady from the FA and looked at it, I thought, oh my god, there's no way United are winning this game. And of course, they were three 0 down with about. 20 or half 20 minutes or 30 minutes left to play so this is your pre- to, I, prediction then yeah the yeah, that's, yeah that's that's probably the way to, to to phrase it now uh i said score draw last week and i was it was a goalless draw in the end so um i'd probably say yeah two two yeah two two interesting i think united fans probably be a bit frustrated for another draw so i'll probably say two one united maybe to edge by a goal um, but I think that's about it for this podcast. Thank you very much for, for joining me, Samuel, and enjoy the game at the weekend. Thank and, you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. And you can obviously subscribe to this podcast. You can watch us via Facebook if you're doing that. Thank you for watching and thanks for listening. And we'll be back uh, very, very soon.